yes, you can grow indoors with soil, avoid the pests, and actually get some maximized results, such as this beautiful bucket of lettuce I have. When we think of indoor gardening, we often think of hydro, but the reality is soil can actually be just as plentiful, and there's many reasons why you may go this route. The one benefit to using soil hands down is the fact that it's authentically organic. I've spoken about this in previous videos, but organic isn't necessarily what we translate it to be in gardening. If you wanted to grow certified organic or something that would pass for sale as organic in a store, you also have to consider your fertilizer inputs. With hydro, we do need to use synthetic fertilizers along with pH adjustment factors. This kind of takes it out of the realm of organic. Unless, of course, you're using that raft method that I showed in a video just last week where we looked at how to grow using aquaponics, which would be considered an organic way of growing. However, with soil, this factor is taken out entirely. We can use synthetics or we can use organic. It doesn't really matter and we will yield very similar results. So that is one big benefit to using soil. So one of the first things we always are looking for when we start indoor gardening with soil is of course the soil. So there are tons of choices out there, but there are a few things I want you to consider. In an indoor system, unless if we're running fans, we tend to accumulate more moisture in our soil. So we will wanna consider using something that has a large abundance or large particulate size of pumice and perlite. If the indoor growing medium you have doesn't have these in an adequate amount, consider purchasing some. This is going to be huge when it comes to reducing root rot and in particular importance when we are using self-watering containers, which is what I'm using in my case. Now, the mix I like is called Sunshine Mix Number no. 5. This will be held at very specific grow places, places dedicated to gardening. Now, you won't find this at Home Depot unless it is the summer, unless they have it stored in the back. Which brings me to my second point. You wanna make sure the soil you purchase is either in dehydrated blocks, which you can find in coconut wire fiber, or have been stored indoors. Anything that's been stored outside that has not yet hit a very deep freeze cold will have fungus gnats, thrips, mealies, and a number of other soil-borne problems. So unless it's been completely chilled and frozen, you do not want to bring that into your home because it's going to make for a nightmare. This includes the stuff that we used outdoors before to grow. Bringing that inside will cause pest issues. Now, I don't want you to be intimidated by this. And if your budget only calls for using the soil that you have outdoors and bringing it in, then do so. I would encourage you to use things like predatory mites, nematodes or BTS, Bacillus thuringiensis, <laughs> to help control those pests. You can actually use these in soils that you think are completely pest free just to help as a preventative. This is really gonna cut back on all those issues. So one thing I do want you to consider is getting something that already has a slow release mixed in, whether that be organic or synthetic in nature. This is one last thing we have to take into consideration when growing indoors. The way to know this is if it says feeds up to six months, nine months, whatever the case is. This is one last thing we have to think about. If you miss this step or you can't find a soil that contains this, then you will need to fertilize, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit. When it comes to soil, there are two things I want you to try to avoid. The first one being too much compost or manure. This can cause a number of different things such as fungus gnats and other problems in the form of powdery mildew or pests. And this is just natural because 
that's what comes with organic material. It also can increase the level of fungus that happens. Now, while this isn't a bad thing, it just is a little bit of a headache when it comes to germinating and just keeping plants indoors. So these are two things that you definitely wanna watch out for. The other reason for this is because if we do a 50% mix of compost manure with a potting soil, we tend to end up with leggier plants or more soft green tissue. This can lend access, very easy access, for pests and disease to infiltrate that plant. And because we're in a closed environment, we want to reduce the ease in which pests and problems can arise. So we want to limit that compost and manure as much as possible. And the second thing I want you to avoid doing is a DIY soil. I need to do a video on this, but when it comes to houseplants and anything vegetable or produce wise, we want to avoid a DIY soil. We commonly forget to add something called lime into our potting soil. And when we're using coconut coir, manure, compost, and peat all in combination with each other, whichever way, we end up with a soil that is slightly acidic. We actually need to push it to the more alkaline side of things. This means that the addition of lime is essential to bring that pH into a proper range. If you've been following this channel long enough, you know the importance of pH and how it affects the bioavailability of nutrients. So if you're noticing yellowing leaves on the tips or just really poor growth in general, blossom end rot, whatever the case is, in your indoor growing soil, this could be a sign that you did not pH balance that soil properly if you did a DIY mix. Now, when it comes to fertilizer, you have two choices, organic or synthetic. You can choose either or, it does not matter. The cons to using synthetic are the potential of burn and over fertilization, which can cause that legginess. And the cons of using organic is the potential of pests in the form of mold or bugs. And then again, over fertilization if we overdo it but we cannot burn with organic. Now, this is only if you did not choose to get a soil that has the slow release formula. Keep that in mind. However, if you've chosen to forgo a slow release or you're reusing soil from outdoors, then what you wanna do is get a liquid version of this. Now, some people will say this is wasteful because technically we're transporting water and you wouldn't be wrong. However, this means that that nutrients can be in a bioavailable form meaning it's very easy for uptake for that plant. Now, what I want you to consider is getting something that's either in that liquid form or something that's granular that can be dissolved in liquid. You want to do the dissolving up to two hours prior to watering. The reason for this is because when we stir in our granular and make it into a liquid, it takes time to fully dissolve. So in order to achieve this, we want to pre-mix this as soon as possible and then apply over time. I'm gonna do a separate video on containers because there's a lot there to digest, whether you're choosing a porous container or a non-porous container and everything else in between. But one thing I would like you to consider is if you want self-watering or something with holes in the bottom. If you go for holes in the bottom and just a natural gravity draining method, then you will want some sort of catchment on the bottom. I'm personally doing a self-watering system. I like that setup only because I'm in a grow tent and I am combating some moisture because I am doing hydro inside of a grow tent. So these are all things to consider. If you wanna learn more about the self-watering system I'm doing, it's just buckets up. And I did a video on that and how I chose the soil, fertilizer, et cetera, and so forth 
for those containers that I am using. But like I said, stay tuned for the video that's gonna go into that in more detail. Mostly because I think your guys are gonna be shocked as to what you can actually use as a container. In the back of your head, cardboard and recycled plastic, A++ choices. So what exactly can you grow inside of soil indoors? The answer to this is the world is your oyster. When using soil, we have the benefit of an entire grow bucket, depending on the size, and therefore we can grow larger plants and not worry about the potential of toppling over or ripping of roots because it's limited to a tiny little core that we plunge into water. So these are things to keep in mind. In mine currently, I'm growing lettuce because that is what I truly do need. I have a ton of tomatoes stored, carrots, root veg, all stored for the winter, along with beans, peas, uh, corn, frozen. So I mean, all my harvest from this summer, I'm made in the shade when it comes to produce. I'm not made in the shade when it comes to herbs and when it comes to lettuce. So those are the two things that I am growing, along with a lonely cucumber plant and starting out some tumbler tomatoes as well. The reason why I like to lean towards lettuce in this system is because lettuce turnaround time is so quick and so because of that I can start my seedlings separate in just little peat pods before transferring them into the buckets. Now I plant in waves when it comes to gardening indoors meaning I start seeds every three to four weeks depending on their growth habit and then transplant them into the bucket after. If you're having troubles germinating the seeds grown in soil, what you wanna do is start them separate from the entire mass setup because if you're running fans or intense light, the little seedlings don't tend to do very well unless they are capped off with some sort of a greenhouse system. So this can come in the form of a plastic cup or something more sophisticated like the Jiffy greenhouse pod things. Any of these will work, takeout containers will work, but these are things that you wanna consider if you're having troubles with germination. When it comes to transplanting or bumping up the plant, I like to do this once I get at least one to two true leaves, not the cotyledons, on the plant or when I start to see the roots poking out below. This is time for them to be transplanted or bumped up into those larger containers. Now, whenever growing indoors, there are two major factors you need to consider, whether or not you're using light. If you're not using light, look at my window growing method that I did a video on. These are very obvious answers to that. However, if you're doing light, you want to install those accordingly. I have a video coming out on that very soon. And secondly, the fan. The fan is so important. If you're noticing yellowing or really light green leaves, blossom end rot, or any sort of nutrient deficiency issues, it may be the fact that you don't have enough airflow inside of your grow tent. So this is very important. I just have like a little desktop fan running inside of mine. It works wonderfully for me, but this is just something that you definitely want to consider. That's all I have for you guys. Be sure to send me your photos of your indoor setups over on Instagram, just DM me. I actually really enjoy seeing them. Some of you have sent some over and they are A++. I'm always looking for ideas when it comes to setups. So I encourage you guys to do so. I wanna thank you 
you so much for watching. If you enjoyed it, be sure to give it a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button and let me know in the comments down below what your setup looks like. Be sure to include great detail because it's not just going to help me, it's actually going to help other people in the Gardening in Canada family, shockingly. <laughs> They actually enjoy the feedback from the comments more than just my video, which is huge. So I want to thank you for watching. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.